Hello and Merry Christmas. That's right, we are in December and it is time once again to enjoy the Kidman Talk podcast. This is number 63 and I'll be continuing my Engaged Children series, continuing where we left off. Last week was Engage God. Today is going to be Engage Leaders and then next time we will get to Engaging Children. But first we must engage God, then we've got to engage leaders, and then we'll be ready to engage children. Today's episode is sponsored by Cadre Ministries. They don't even know this. I just want you to be aware of Cadre Ministries because it is my favorite ministry for equipping volunteers and leaders and so I'm going to tell you about them. So sit back, relax, get yourself a coffee or a Coke or a Mountain Dew or whatever it is you enjoy because we are going to be talking Kidmen and how to engage leaders. Well, if you listened to the podcast last week, you know that we are talking about engaging children. If you didn't hear that one, you should feel welcome to stop this one and go back and listen to the first one because they are building on each other. So I won't be offended because I actually won't know that you stopped listening to me right now and went back and listened to the Engage God podcast first because that is the foundation. So often we get so busy running our ministries and doing all these fires, I mean putting out all these fires and things that we miss out on engaging God. And so I talk very practically and very transparently about the importance of engaging God in our ministry and um, in how I have uh, struggled and, and failed in that area and the and just how important it is. And so I would just really urge you, if you missed that podcast, to go ahead and listen to that. And if you want to finish this one and go back and listen to that one, that's fine. Again, I won't know, but, um, but I don't want you to miss that last podcast. And um, last time, I just gave you a recording that was done at the conference. Well, I can't do that for this one and the next because something happened in the sound booth and um, and I got a nice video of the uh, of the keynote address at the Engaged Children Conference with no audio because uh, the last one I got the video and I extracted the audio and um, but without wasting too much time explaining the technical problems, um, I'm just going to give it to you um, the message live. I'm just going to go through my notes and, and share that with you. But let me first just tell you about our sponsor. Sometimes we have paid sponsorships. Other times I just pick somebody that I want to tell you about. And one of my favorite ministries when it comes to equipping and encouraging, especially volunteers, but also leaders is Cadre Ministries. All right. We've got, um, some of the resources in, in Kidology, and I'll link them in the show notes. But you can also go directly to their website. I don't even care if we lose a sale. If you want to go straight to CadreMinistries.com. Bill Allison, um, he's got a whole team of trainers. But Cadre Ministry, let me just read you the definition of Cadre. It is a nucleus or a core group, especially of trained personnel, able to assume control and to train others. Right? It's a group of people having some unified relationship. And that's why they're called cadre, because they're a small group of people trained to train others. And that's what Bill is passionate about. He is passionate about making disciples and training others to disciple others. And if you think, hey, he's not a children's ministry guy, he is a children's pastor, right? He's got, I'm looking at his picture right now of his family. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven kids, right? He had six 
and he thought he was done, and, and then they got a little surprise, and uh, he and his wife uh, <laughs> got a seventh kid. And their their newsletters are hysterical as they write about their children. So he has his own children's ministry right in his home. If you're a coffee drinker, you can go to his blog, cupojowithbill.com, and he's a great blogger. He's on Twitter, uh, but Bill's a great guy. And um, But their resources for training uh, volunteers and leaders are fantastic, right? Um, I put a picture on the show notes of Grow, Minister, and Lead, one of my favorite books that they have on training up volunteers and leaders, but all of their resources are great. Teaching as the master teacher taught, just tons of resources. And I just want to make sure that you, if you've never heard of Cadre, that you just dive in and find their resources. You can use them to train your volunteers and to train your leaders. If you have leadership meetings every month, take one of their books and go through it a chapter at each of your leadership meetings. You talk about training and discipling and mentoring your leaders, and you're wondering, what can I do to put some substance and meat into my leadership meetings so that I can be training um, you know, my replacements, training my new leaders, turning them into solid disciples and solid leaders. Well, Cadre's got those resources that you can use. And uh, they're downloadable. Um, They've got free stuff on their website. Of course, they've got some fee resources. They call them fee resources. Those are the ones you pay a little fee to use. And definitely check them out. They are phenomenal, all right? And um, But let's get back to part two of Engage Children, all right? And remember, if you're on the East Coast, check out the Engage Children Conference. I'll link it in the show notes. A great conference, lots of workshops, some great speakers, except for that keynote guy, you know, but they uh, they lowered their bar so that I could come be their keynote speaker. But after I talked about engaging God, which I shared with you in the last podcast, I got into how to engage leaders. And my one regret that you couldn't hear the live um, presentation was that I had a lot of fun at the opening because, um, you know, I got kind of serious in the first address and the second one was kind of serious too. So I thought I got to have some fun. I got to shake this up. So what I did is I, I came up and I thought I'm just, instead of telling people, you know, how to engage children, because that was the theme of the conference. I thought, yeah, I just need to do it. You need to demonstrate it. So I got up on stage and <laughs> this is what I wish you could have, could have heard or, or even seen with the video. I was going to put it on YouTube is I asked for a guy with a beard and, and actually there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of bearded guys there. So there was a guy with a little bit of uh, Don Johnson stubble and he came up and I asked him to come up on the stage. And then I said, I need a couple of generals. And, and I, I, I even picked a, a woman and a, and a guy to come up and be generals as they were down below the stage and the guy with the beard was up on the stage and then I said all right everyone in the audience wants you to pair up and uh, just choose a partner and one of you is going to be an Israelite and the other one of you is going to be an Amalekite in case you can't figure it out the Amalekites are the bad guys and the Israelites are the good guys and you guys are going to be battling all right so you're going to be doing some ninja fighting we're not going to get swords out we're not going to hurt each other you're going to be just acting this out and you could do this in kids church right that's how you act out a bible story and get every kid engaged and when I say the Israelites are winning you, whoever is the Israelite, because you're deciding in your little pairs, you're going to be just coming down with the blows, the ninja moves, you know, whatever, karate chops, and the Amalekites going to be cowering and losing. But when I say the Amalekites are winning, 
then the Amalekites going to start to be dominating and the Israelite needs to kind of go down and it's going to be going back and forth. And so then as I decided, uh, started describing this battle, you know, Moses was up on stage. Oh, I gave away that it was Moses. And so Moses raises up his arms and we talked about how he was engaging God. We went back to the first message and he was calling on God by raising his arms. And whenever he raised his arms, he, the Israelites were winning. And then I had the generals be pointing out orders and, and giving strategic commands. But every now and then, you know, Moses would start to get tired and his arms would start to come down. Then the Amalekites would start to win. So you go back and forth with this. And it was kind of cool because these were all children's pastors, directors, teachers, volunteers. They knew the Bible story from Exodus chapter 17 and 18. And before I had a chance to tell them what to do, these two generals came up onto the stage, lifted up Moses' arms, and actually didn't get to go back and forth as many times as I wanted to because they knew what to do. They came up, they held up Moses' arms, and then the Israelites uh, were able to conquer the Amalekites because of the help that uh, was given to Moses. And it was a fun visual way to illustrate that Moses engaged God in the battle, but he was only human. And he became weary and, and he became weak. And he needed other leaders to come around and to support him, to actually help him engage God. And the same is true of us. We need to engage God first, but we're human. And we're going to become weak and we're going to become weary. And the generals can be doing a great job. Our, our leaders around us, our rank and file volunteers and teachers can all be out there using their skills and doing their best job. But they're going to get beaten down and, and they're going to get worn out. We need to engage leaders. We need their help to support us. Even as a leader, we're going to become weary and doing good. All right? And so we need those leaders. But then the passage goes on. And in Exodus chapter 18, we learn that Moses got a little gift. Uh, excuse me, a little guest. It was a gift. An in-law came to visit. Jethro came. And Jethro came along and, and uh, he started observing. And, and after a little while, he came to Moses and he started giving Moses advice. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes in ministry, we're not so open to advice. You know, this Jethro guy, you know, he's a shepherd. What does he know about leading millions of people? I mean, Moses is a kind of a big shot. I mean, he's part of the Red Sea. He's hit rocks and waters come out. I mean, he's done some pretty amazing stuff. And then this shepherd dude comes along and tries to give him advice. But Moses, to his credit, he listens. And what does Jethro say? And I'm not going to take the passage and, uh, and read it to you right now. I want to save some time. You can look up Exodus 17 and 18 and read it for yourself. You're probably familiar with it. But he says, Moses, you have got to delegate. You have got to choose from a men, among the men some godly men who can help with the workload. Because what Moses was doing was he was dealing with petty stuff. I mean, it's all important. But he was settling all these small disputes. And Jethro basically says... You need to deal with the big stuff. And you've got to choose godly people, smart people. There's tons of them out there. You're not the only smart, godly guy among all of God's people. There's other capable, godly, smart people like you who can do what you're doing. And the same is true of us. We've got to engage God, but we've got to engage leaders because we get bogged down in it. So just like in the engage 
um, leaders, where I had a short outline for you, and it was very simple, all right? If you remember, I'll just give it to you in case you didn't listen to Engage God. I had some S's for you, silence, solitude, and surrender, because you are merely a steward. Well, I've got a simple outline for you today, and it all begins with letter E's, which may not surprise you if you're familiar with Kidology's mission statement. And the first one is to enlist, all right? Now, when I talk about enlisting, I'm not talking about recruiting, okay? I'm talking about sharing leadership. Now, recruiting is about getting people to do the stuff that you can't do or don't want to do. And there's lots of articles, resources, and workshops on that. All right, I did a podcast on it just two podcasts ago. It's number 61. Go and listen to it. I'll even link it in the show notes. Enlisting is different. It's about losing the cape. All right, it's about losing the superhero mentality that you're the hero of the ministry and no one can do it as good as you. Now, let me point out, that's probably true. All right, and I don't mean that to boost your ego. You are the professional. You probably have more experience than most people on your team. You may even have a Bible education. You've been to children's conferences, all right? You've been doing this a long time. You may be the best person and the most skilled on the team. That's fine. But let's be honest. It's not, doesn't matter. Quality is not what's most important. Now, I know some of you probably just fell out of your chair. You probably just almost crashed if you're listening in the car. But quality is not what's most important. If it were, then why did Jesus bother with disciples? I mean, let's think about it. Jesus was a lot more talented than them. In fact, a lot of them were complete mess-ups, right? Because it wasn't about talent or quality. Jesus was about making disciples who were going to carry on the work after he was gone. All right? He wasn't interested with impressing people, and he did. He did miracles. He walked on water. All right? He broke up some bread and fishes and fed 5,000 plus people, and he had 12 baskets left over. He was amazing. But he wasn't there to impress people and be amazing. He was there to use people who were less talented, less impressive with him, but that would carry it on after he was gone. And I got to tell you, one of my first ministries um, was a small church. And when I went there as a young, talented children's pastor who could do all these great, amazing things and wow the kids and wow the families, I was a complete failure. Now, if you looked at the numbers, the church tripled in size while I was there. We had folding chairs in the sanctuary. The kids' ministry went great. I invented my own club. Kids' church was great. I was doing so many wonderful things in this small church. But when I left that ministry and went on to a new ministry, everything fell apart. In fact, to this day, when I go back to visit that church, or I run into people from that church, they call me the legend. Now, it's a, it's a compliment is how it's intended. I take it as an insult because they still talk about the golden era of when I was a children's pastor there and how wonderful it was and how it was growing and it had all these wonderful things. And, and I even hesitate to tell you this because it, it sounds like bragging. But I, I, I share this because I was a complete and utter failure because the whole ministry revolved around me and my talents and the energy and excitement I brought and all the things that I were do, was doing. And when I left it all imploded and collapsed and it left nothing but great memories. It didn't leave leaders because I didn't surround myself with people and I didn't pour into others. And so when I left, I left nothing but great memories of a 
phenomenal children's ministry. But I did learn from that because when I left there, and I, and I had to leave because of some difficult things going on in the church that weren't healthy, that weren't related to me, but I, I knew it was not a healthy place and decided I, I needed to, to move on to a healthier ministry. And I looked back on that ministry and I thought, man, I killed myself for that ministry uh, at an unhealthy pace and saw it all falling apart when I left. So in my next ministry, I formed a leadership team and I poured my life into other leaders. And an interesting thing happened in that new church. As I poured myself into that ministry for several years, but wanted to pursue my seminary education, which was back up in the north suburbs, I reached a point where a church called me to come, invited me to come up back to that north suburbs area, very close to where I had been before. And uh, I ended up, after a year of talking to that church and feeling like the church plant that I was part of was finally able um, to continue on without me, when I went to the deacons and my, my pastor to say you know, I was entertaining this invitation, I was surprised at how delighted they were. In fact, they, they were, like, ecstatic. I was kind of hurt. I thought, boy, I really thought they'd be like, no, Carl, don't leave. We love you. Well, they did love me. But they had been in the process of hiring a worship pastor, and had come to the realization that they didn't have the funds to bring this worship pastor. After a whole long search process and everything, they were going to have to tell this worship pastor that they they were sorry that uh, after doing the the budget cr- number crunching and all that and the faith promises and all that, they were they just simply didn't have the funds. So when I said that I was thinking of leaving, they said, "Hey, we'll just give Carl's salary to the worship pastor, and uh, problem solved." I said, "Well." problem solved, well, what about the children's ministry? And they said, well, your team can run the ministry. You know, that's exactly what happened. I left to a new ministry up in the north suburbs where I could begin going to Trinity University, pursue my master's in children's ministry. The church hired their worship pastor, phenomenal worship pastor, and my leadership team took over the children's ministry without a children's pastor. But it gets even better. Two of those team members became professional children's pastors, one of them in another state, and she's now retired because it's been years and years, but she became a full-time children's pastor at a church in Tennessee, and another one is now the, the staff children's pastor of that church because she grew up into that position. I'm not the legend at that church. They have fond memories of me, and I go back. They love to see me. They've had me back for some special events but they don't talk about the golden era of Carl Bashan at that church because they're living a golden era, because they have a great children's ministry, because of my investment in leaders, so the great ministry continued without me. And I consider that ministry a better success. See, you need to invite people to join you. Jesus said, follow me. You say, join me. You know, whatever you call it, I don't care, but you've got to stop being the hero, all right? Whether it's a a leadership team or a committee, I don't like that word, but you've got to enlist others to constantly be a part of what you are about, which is reaching and teaching kids. You are a builder. You are building a kid's ministry, and you've got to constantly be building uh, with people. So that's your E. You've got to be constantly enlisting, and then you've got to be equipping. You've got to be uh, finding and training your replacement, all right? 
God didn't give you gifts and talents to impress people and to run the ministry. He gave you gifts and talents and skills so that you can be showing others how to do it. All right? That, that's how it is. Don't, um, don't uh, recruit people and throw them into the deep end. All right? Have them start in the shallow end and work their way to the deep end. All right, and and you can do that um, by letting them observe first. Start with easy jobs. You know, my dad used to have a sign in his office that I loved. It was a homemade sign. He made it on his dot matrix printer and framed it. And it was so simple, but it was his philosophy of volunteer training. And it simply said, "I do, you watch. I do, you help." Then it transitioned and said, "You do, I help. You do." I watch. Do you see the change? It goes from I do, you watch, and it ends with you do, I watch. Let me read that to you again in case you want to write that down. It goes, I do, you watch, I do, you help, you do, I help, you do, I watch. I'll put that in the show notes, all right? So you need to start enlist people, you need to equip people, train them, hold their hand until they can take over. And then you need to empower them, all right? You need to entrust them with authority, ability to make decisions, to try things, give them permission to fail. It's better that they tried and failed than never tried at all. One of my favorite Disney movies is the North Avenue Irregulars, right? It's about a new pastor, shows up in town. One of the first things he does turns out to be a disaster, but hey, that's okay. He invites this lady into his office and says, what do you want to be in charge of? And he has all these three ring binders and he just hands one to a lady and says, you're in charge of this. And you have to watch the movie to find out how that leads to mayhem and chaos and the whole plot of the movie. But I love that the first thing he does is say, I don't want to run everything. I want to let the lady be in charge. And uh, he puts her in charge of a, it was a, a fundraising thing. And she goes and bets it all on, on a horse race and they get involved in cracking organized crime in the town, and, and there's car crashes, and it's a fun movie. The North Avenue Regulars, look it up. But you've got to ask yourself, and this is what I did at the conference. I said a lot of people come to conferences, and um, they end up getting more added to their duties, you know, because they find out about something that, that they're not doing. And and I said I want you to think about what can you stop doing when you get home, not go home and start doing more. But what are you doing that someone else could be doing? Just like Jethro said to Moses. And start thinking, what can I stop doing next Sunday? Think about your ministry job. If you're a leader, even if you're a volunteer, what can you start having the kids do in your class? Are you erasing the whiteboard? A kid can erase the whiteboard. Are you setting up the chairs or putting the chairs away? A kid, The kids can do that. So I don't care whether you're a volunteer or a leader. What are you doing that someone else could do? That's discipleship. And that's empowering, and that's training, all right? That's what discipleship is. It's training others to do what you're doing, all right? And start letting others do it. Think about who gave you a chance. You know, I love being a camp speaker. And if I can say so, and it's not in a prideful way, I'm a great camp speaker, all right? I love camp speaking, all right? But how did I become a good camp speaker? At some point, someone had to give me a chance. And she just recently went to be with the Lord, and I miss her dearly. But Mary Kay Meeker from Camp Timberly, she saw me interacting with the kids of my own church on a weekend retreat. And she just saw my chemistry with the kids and, and the way I was interacting with them when I was not known at all through kidology or anything way, way back in 1998. 
And she said, I just sensed that you would be a great camp speaker. Would you like to come speak here during the summer? I said, I would love to do that. And she took a risk with me and gave me a chance. And so I put my all into just being the best camp speaker that I could be and just relay to the kids and and plan the best chapels that I could. And I've been going to that camp every summer ever since, except for a few summers that that I took a break from speaking. I have just been going there for years. Now that I'm in Colorado, they fly my whole family to Wisconsin every summer. And I'm still speaking there because Mary Kay Meeker gave me a chance. You've got to enlist. You've got to equip. You've got to empower. You've got to give people a chance. Believe in them. And lastly, you got to encourage them, right? And give opportunities and then encourage them. Give them tips. Give them feedback. Um, pick up people's tabs. Give people resources, right? You know, I watch old videotapes of me and I'm amazed anybody encouraged me. I've watched old magic shows that I've done. I've watched old workshops and I've thought, who were the fools that told me I could be a good magician or a good children's ministry trainer? Of uh, those people, I don't I don't even see the potential that they saw. So I am so thankful for the people who encouraged me, who said, Great job, who said, keep working at it, who said, I think you will be good at this someday. <laughs> now I look back and go, Oh, they said I'd be good at that someday. They didn't actually say you're good at this. <laughs> I don't remember what they said, but I know that they encourage me. You know, I'm still so thankful to Byron Reagans from David C. Cook. He's a guy that the first time you meet him, you feel like you've met him forever. He's a guy that way back when I was a green thumb children's pastor, I had this idea to start a children's pastors conference, a children's ministry conference at my church. And he hooked me up with a bunch of people, used his travel budget to sponsor the meal, just believed in me. And I started the Kidology University conferences, which I did about a dozen of them, ended up doing them in several states for several years, just believed in me and gave me a chance. All right. I remember my first pastor who just encouraged me and treated me like I was a superstar. All right. I remember um, just so many people who just believed in me and gave me a chance. All right. And so we've got to do that in return. You know, I remember a few years ago, a young uh, kid from my kids crew who wanted to take me out to dinner, wanted a reference for college. And I, I said to him, so what made you decide to be a children's pastor? And all he did was point at me. And I just felt like a million bucks because all that encouragement, all that feedback I had given him all those years had caused him to want to be a children's pastor. So don't give up on people, all right? Just, you know, I, I shared a story at the conference about an early, early in my ministry when I was part of a, a children's pastor's network, a small one called um, Children's Ministry on the Cutting Edge. It was a small group, and I had missed some meetings um, several in a row because of being uh, busy. I don't remember really why I had missed the meetings, but then I showed up to a meeting and um, and I was informed by this small group of children's pastors um, that uh, that I was, I don't know how to say it, but I was basically was booted out of the group. Um, this children's ministry is on the cutting edge because I, I didn't have, I guess, what it took to be part of this group. Um, I either didn't have, they didn't feel I had the commitment or uh, it's a blur to me of how it was broke to me, um, but I was basically kicked out of children's ministries on the cutting edge, and um, I was devastated. I was a young children's pastor, and um, it just killed me, um, but I didn't let it discourage me, but I look back on that, and I think, wow, 
Um, what, what if that had changed the direction of my life and I had just thought, man, I guess I don't have what it takes to be a children's pastor on the cutting edge. And um, so we need to be careful that we are always encouraging. So be equipping, uh, enlisting, empowering, and encouraging. Let me leave you with a, with a couple of, of, of verses because it, it's always easier to keep volunteers than to be constantly finding new ones. We've got to encourage them. Proverbs 27, 23, 24 says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. I know you've had times in your life where you felt like quitting. Well, you have a volunteer that's about to quit, and you know they're never honest with you about how they quit. You know the politicians always say that they just wanted more time with their family, and there's always some other reason. Well, volunteers do the same thing. They lie to you. They give you all these other reasons, but they're, often it's really just that they got discouraged. Um, they didn't feel appreciated, um, so they'll give you some spiritual reason of why they quit. Um, well, let me just give you the warning right now. You've got a volunteer that's about to quit. Um, and they don't want to give you the real reason. So you've got to identify um, what the reason is. Maybe they're tired of putting folding down chairs every week. Maybe they're tired of always being late to church. Um, you know, you've got to figure out what it is that's discouraging them, and you've got to solve that. And when you get proactive, when you can come down to the classroom and say, hey, you, you go ahead and go to church. Um, I'll make sure these last dangling kids, uh, stragglers, whatever, get get." place to their parents or you recruit someone else that just comes and says hey we'll take care of the, the kids whose parents are late picking them up you get to church on time when you find those ways to encourage them and take care of those needs um, it makes a huge difference because you are a shepherd not a ceo children's ministries become more and more like a business See, this is good in some ways i mean it means it's being taken seriously the bar has been raised there's great tools and resources that are being implemented but it isn't a business Budgets and staff rosters, insurance liabilities aside, we're shepherds of people. And we will give an account. You know, Hebrews 13, 17 says to obey your leaders and submit to their authority. You know, we always focus on that half, and that's an important half. But then it says they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. We'll give an account for our kids, and we'll give an account for the care of those we oversee, not how well our ministries were run or how well they were staffed or how well our, our programs were executed. We'll give an account for the care of those that we oversee. And so it's so important that we have a, a mindset that we're caring for those under our care. So before we engage kids, we've got to engage God and make sure that we're seeking him and what he wants for our ministry. And then we've got to engage our leaders. We've got to enlist them. We've got to equip them. We've got to empower them and encourage them and have a shepherd's mindset. Pray for your leaders. Uh, and don't think of it, you know, as they're there to serve you and to make your job easier, but but have a pastor's mindset that that you are there to be a pastor to your leaders. You know, the, the role of a pastor is not um, something that is just for the professional pastors of the church. We are all pastors. We're all commanded to lead and help others. Hebrews 6, 10 through 12 will be the final scripture I'll share with you. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised, all right? 
He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. All right, those are your volunteers that you oversee. All right, so enlist, equip, empower, and encourage because you are a shepherd and not a CEO. As you engage your leaders after engaging God and they help you keep your arms upraised, you will become victorious in the spiritual battle you have to engage kids. Well, thanks again for listening to Kid Men Talk. Please don't forget to connect with the show in the show notes. There are lots of links, especially this week, to Cadre Ministries and many of the resources that are available from Bill Allison's ministry. Remember, you can help shape the show by interacting and asking your questions in the forum discussion that is linked at the bottom of the show notes, as well as by contacting me through email, carl at kidmantalk.com, or on Twitter, at kidmantalk, or at kidologist. I love to hear from you. It is always so encouraging. So until next time, when we talk about finally engaging kids, this is Carl. Thank you so much for spending time with me here on Kidmin Talk.